Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Mark chapter 4, verse 2. We'll start there. It's a marvelous, marvelous opportunity to share uh, the good news, share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to talk about this particular parable. Now, we're going to review just a little bit uh, because it's very important that you really understand. It's most important that you understand this parable. And any time anyone is teaching the word, it's most important to understand. So I will go over that a little bit later. I want to review, first of all, some things because I was talking to a group that I was discipling and asking them questions and whatnot. And you remember Jesus, when this parable was taught to the crowd, his disciples asked him, what do you mean about this parable? Tell us about this parable. They were asking him questions about this particular parable. And he asked them also, why do you teach in parables? Well, I wanted to answer some of those questions, and we spent about an hour and 45 minutes talking about just what I taught last week. And it's very interesting that uh, I was told that I don't think everybody was tracking with you last week. So I said, well, I'll review a little bit to make that explanation. Let's first of all, in verse 2 it says that he was teaching them many things in parables, was saying to them. And a parable, we said, was a figure of speech or just an illustration laying side by side a natural example that people could understand and a spiritual truth that he was trying to get over to them. So it's a spiritual truth. You have to remember now. Every parable that Jesus is teaching with is a spiritual truth that he's trying to get over to the people. But he's using natural examples that they would understand out of their natural life. That's what a parable was. When they asked him why were they teaching, why was he teaching in parables, he said that I'm teaching in parables because, let's look at the verse, say 11. Let's go to verse 11 of the Mark. He said, I'm teaching them parables because to you it is given to understand the kingdom principles, the mysteries of the kingdom. But to those outside, they, they're not going to get that understanding because they, they're just hearing a natural example. They're going to get everything in parables. And he starts quoting then from Isaiah, and he starts telling them that people really have eyes to see, but they really don't see. They have ears to hear, but they really don't hear. In their minds, they really don't understand. And so they cannot then repent. They can't turn and be saved. And so what I don't want is for people in the hearing of this message, because people is on the Internet and people do hear from other parts of the, of the nation. I know uh, uh, one person does because my sister listened to it. So she's in North Carolina. Uh, if people listening to this message and you are listening to this message, no telling who we have in the congregation, each time we're teaching a message, you want people to understand what God means by what he says. That's what you want them to know. And so that's why I like to teach and explain so that there's no question about what we mean. I don't want the Christians to be like Israel was. I don't want to be like that. I was asking God last night, I don't want to hear you, but don't hear you. I do not want to see you, but not see. I don't want to hear the word, but not really hear the word. I want to understand what you're saying, Lord. So now we go into the, the parable in verse 13. That's where I went last week. All, we, all I'm doing is just reviewing. Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? And so we talked about that this particular parable gives you some foundation, some background to, to know how 
all parables go. And I said that really, if you look at when Jesus came out of the temptation out of the wilderness, Jesus, first thing he started teaching was he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Then when he got to Mark's gospel, the Holy Spirit speaking through Mark, he said that the kingdom of God is at hand and the kingdom of heaven, speaking of the same thing, I told you that, that one says the kingdom of heaven, one says the kingdom of God. But then he says, repent and believe the gospel. Well, believe in the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they're the same thing. Knowing God is the same thing as uh, what we say is to, if you know Jesus, it says in John 17, don't go to it, though. He says that this is eternal life. You can't have eternal life without the knowledge of God. You can't have it. And we're not talking about just knowing who he is. We're talking about knowing him intimately. Having an intimate relationship with him, a personal relationship with him. So we talked about all that last week. Then I went to the first uh, verse of, of the, the parable. And it says, so, the sower sows the word in Mark. And then we went to Matthew, which said, well, the soil, and Lucas says, the soil sows the seed. So which was it? Was he sowing the seed or is he sowing the word? Which is he doing? Well, we knew that seed is the word. So we went to two different places on that to find out that the word was a seed. From there, that's where some people lost it. And let's kind of review that. I went to the heart. I said the heart is the most important thing in the kingdom. The heart. So let's look at it in Mark chapter 4, verse 15. Let's look and see what he says here about the heart. It says here, these are the ones, and it's talking about the seed now, picked it up from verse 14, the source of the word, these are the ones who are beside the road. What does it mean, the ones? What is it talking about? These are the ones. These are the seeds. These are the, the words that were sown beside the road. What is the road? A road is what you travel on. And in a, a field, it can be the path, the beaten path, where, where you, know, you might have the tractor going down that, that, that particular road. It might have a horse and, and, and a little cart going down there. But it's the hard ground. That's what it is, a hard ground. These are the ones sown by the road where the word is sown. How are you going to sow seed on a hard, pressed down ground? You can't, can you? No, we can't. We can't sow it down. And when they hear, so he's going from natural to spiritual now. When they hear the word immediately, immediately means instantly instantly Satan comes so now we learn in this parable which is part two of the parable part one was we know he was sowing we know who the soul was the soul is, is you the soul is the disciples the soul is with Jesus the soul is anybody who's sowing the word but you can sow the word to yourself too because you're supposed to be in the word every day and so you sow the word to yourself but regardless, we know that immediately Satan comes. Who comes? Now, when he gave the parable to the crowd, he said the birds come. But now he's explaining the parable. He said, no, I really, I told them something in the natural that it, they could get a picture of that when seeds are on something hard, it's going to be just sitting there. And therefore, when uh, they are just sitting there, the birds are going to come and they're going to feast on those seeds. And you know exactly what we mean because you have sown uh, grass seeds. How many of you have sown grass seeds before? Yeah. And you want to cover it with hay or something so the birds won't come and take it because as long as those seeds are staying there on a hard surface, the birds are going to come and, and get it. So he's saying, this is a natural example, but I'm really talking about spiritual. So let's lay the spiritual thing beside him. Satan coming. He is coming. 
Satan is coming and he's going to take the word that was sown, it says, in, what does it say? Them. And this, in my version, it says them. Now, I want to find out what the them would be. The word is sown in them. Oh, if it's sown in me, where in me? Where is the word sown in me? Is it sown on my head? Is it sown on my feet? Is it sown in my pocket? Where is the word of God sown? Okay. It's sown in the heart. How do you know it's the heart? My verse doesn't say heart. Yours may say heart. In the New American Standard it says in them. And so if we go over now to... And the only reason why I go from one place to the other place because one place tells you, like you're looking at the screen, it says in them. If I tell you, it means the heart. You say, well, where, is the, where does it say that at? He's just telling us that because he was trying to make a point and I don't know whether that's true or not. So I like to use the word because I want you to see what the word of God says. The word of God is forever established. Nothing is going to hinder the word of God from coming to pass. So if you hear the word, then you're okay. So I want you to turn over to uh, the, the, the Luke version of it. And in, in uh, chapter 8, verse 15, that's Luke eight fifteen. that's one of the places where you'll find it at. Uh, let's go to 12, it's not 15, it's 12. Luke 8, 12. Now it says, those beside the road are those who have heard. Do they have ears to hear? But I wonder, did they hear? We'll find out. Then the devil comes, so we find out Satan and the devil the same person, same spirit, and takes away the word from their, say that word for me, heart, so that they will not believe and be saved. So I said last week that the heart is the battleground. The heart is the place where everything's going to take place spiritually. And I said the heart is the mind, the will, the emotions, the intellect. It's up here between the ears. That's, that's the heart. And we need to go to one other place here to find out a little something different. Let's go to Matthew's version. Chapter 13, verse 19. Let's go to that version because it's going to give us a little bit more information about this same verse in Mark that, it, that was spoken. You need all the information. I could stay in Mark and just tell you what they are, but again, I want to show you so you can see it for yourself. This is the same account now in Matthew. When anyone... Anyone. Is it lost people only? Anyone. Here is the word of the kingdom. So the word of the kingdom, and I told you this parable really is going to help us to understand how the lost is going to get saved, how the lost, maybe if they even confess the word, confess that they're going to give their life to God and, and confess Jesus Christ as their Savior, they still might not be saved, but it depends. I wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't know about it. But God knows about it because he knows the heart. It's important that we know the heart. So God knows the heart. And it's important for us to know the heart. That's, that's how it was going last week. Now, it said, and does not understand it. That is very important. It's not in Mark. It's not in Luke. It's only in Matthew. If a person hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, it immediately is taken by Satan. Immediately. It's impossible for you to keep it. It's impossible for you to walk with it. It's impossible for you to really uh, walk it out and bear fruit in it. You can't ha it can't happen. Because the word is sown in your mind, in your will, in your intellect. That's what it's sown. And if you don't understand it, how, how are you going to walk it out? Impossible. Impossible. So what Satan tries to do, and you, you can understand this very 
Very good. If you know that a person doesn't, if he knows he doesn't understand, if I know that you, you can't walk anything out that you don't understand, I would try to make sure that you don't understand it, if I were Satan. How can you, he make sure you don't understand it? He can already, because of my background, he can already then put situations in my life from my growing up that I'm callous on that issue. Because after all, the road, even though they understood what the road was, what is the road in our heart? What makes our heart so that the word won't do anything but sit there? Our heart can be hard. Our heart can be hard, just like the road. To the issue. See, an unsaved person, their heart will be hardened towards Jesus Christ and depending totally on Jesus Christ, giving their life to Jesus Christ and following him, they're going to be hard on that issue. Their heart will be hard. And unless we pray and thank God for prayer warriors is praying on Thursday night, on uh, Friday, praising on the third Friday, pray, th- praise God, Sunday morning, we got saints in the prayer. Praying, praying that the word is on uh, ground that's been broken up. And the word that says, break up that fallow, fallow, your fallow ground. You got to break up that heart. So to make it pliable so when the word hits it, oh, it, is, it sinks in. You see? But if it doesn't sink in, that means it's hard ground. And if you don't have understanding, it's going to just sit there on that ground. He can also make you so you don't understand and say, well, you know, his, this man, he speaks, but I like a more eloquent speaker. And so therefore, I can't pick up much about him. And, and he can make it so that, that the way I teach, it doesn't minister to you. And so therefore, what you hear, you don't understand. And it doesn't go anywhere. I've been in places where if I don't like the person giving the word and say I have to listen to it, I don't get anything because I'm not listening. I'm listening very attentively, but don't hear a thing. Have you ever been like that in school? Yeah. Fine. And don't tell me, teenagers, you're not like that with your parents sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear them, you're nodding your head, but you're not hearing a thing. Come on, we all done that. We all done that. So what God is saying is that I want you to realize that you're going to have to have some understanding. And if you don't have understanding, you're not going to walk in it. So my job is to try to get, and my responsibility is to try to get understanding to you. Okay. And I know that and for surety that I can't do that in one message. So that's why even Jesus taught the, taught the people and the disciples are asking, well, what did you mean by that? Sometimes you need people to explain something to you. Hey, what did you mean by what, what you said about that right there? Ask him. You can ask him anything. It's okay. Now, when I, when I, did, when I got there, and I actually didn't use that verse, I used Luke 6, 43. Don't go to it, please. I used that, and I said that, well, it's like a tree. The heart is like a tree. And... Out of the good treasures of a man's heart, he brings forth good things. Out of the evil treasures of heart, he brings forth evil things. That's what I said. I said, it's all about the heart. And I said, well, how are you going to know the heart? I don't know my heart. I, I have to have the Holy Spirit reveal my heart to me. I said, Jesus said, <laughs> that's what he said. He says, oh, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Okay. Now, I move from the Mark parable, Matthew, Luke parable, to explaining how you can know your heart. Because Jesus said, I did not say it. 
Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's what he said. So I was explaining to you, you can know a little bit about your heart if you knew where your treasure was. And I said, well, let's go through some examples of that. I went to a place where I said, where Jesus was sitting beside the uh, money changers tasers in Mark 12, 41. And then I say, okay, he was, he was looking at this thing. Then I went to Luke um, 12, uh, 13. And I said, well, this is a case where this man had this abundance of, of uh, crops and everything. And then he uh, b- tore down the bonds, built bigger ones. And, and God says, your heart's going to, your, 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 your soul going to be required of you tonight. And who's going to, this is going to belong to? It's going to be that way for everyone who is not rich towards God. I told you that. Then I went to, ended up in, uh, I think it was Luke 18, 18, which told you about <laughs> the rich young ruler that he missed salvation. He had, he, had, he had kept the commandments. I mean, kept the commandments. But his heart wasn't right. So Jesus said, hey, this thing right here, let me tell you one thing you like. He said, man, I've done the commandments ever since I was a youth. Well, this, this right here, you like. And he, he touched his heart. Where was his heart? He, his heart was in his possessions. And he said, go sell all you possess, give to the, distribute to the poor, and come and follow me. And he went away sad. And so he explained to the disciples that, that no one gives up anything in this life, that you don't receive many more things in this life and in the next life, eternal life. But he missed eternal life. Now you say, well, how can somebody miss eternal life if they kept all the commandments? Because his heart wasn't right. I don't want you to be in a place, I don't want to be in a place where my heart is not right and I think I'm doing everything and I'm not doing it. There has to be some reason, some reason this person tells Jesus that I've cast out demons in your name. I've done this in your name. I've done it. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. It's got to be some reason. <laughs> it's got to be some reason why the, the, uh, the saints, when they get to that judgment time, and he said, well, everything they did going to burn up, but they'll be saved only through fire. Why did he say that? You mean to tell me all a person works can get burned up? It meant nothing? So there must be some rewards. There must be things going on in heaven and judgment that, that we need to know about. How do you handle that? I said, okay. I said, I see this thing. I see it, God. I see it. See, unfortunately, well, it is, it's fortunately. I'm so glad. Jesus never taught on a topic of finances. And told you everything in the Bible about finances on the, on, in, in that sitting, in that setting. It's no in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not about finances. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't teach the way we, we teach sometimes. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't teach topical. He just taught about circumstances, incidences. He taught like the person said, Master, good teacher. Teach me. You remember I went over that verse last time? Teach me. Or tell my, tell my, this was said, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. He took that opportunity to teach him about be aware of all kinds of greed. That's when he taught about, now here's a parable. Then he taught about a parable, a financial situation, a financial situation. You see? But he didn't say, now let me tell you about this over here in, about this Zarephath lady. He didn't say that. He didn't say nothing about no other person. Then he went on. But see, when we teach on finances, when you get a teaching on finance, whether it be uh, Financial Peace University, it can be any, 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 any topic, it can be growing kids God's way. It's taught about one thing. The whole teaching is on that one thing. And that's okay. But I'm learning that, boy, we might be doing people a disservice because what happens is that this rich young ruler, 
He went away sad. Didn't he? If we're not careful because of what the enemy has done to us on the financial realm, which has to do with our heart, we can be mad. See, we're not rich. Most, most people in the world are not rich. Most of them are not rich. Most people, are, you know, they, they can make it. If you have a good enough job, you, you, can, you can buy possession, you can do things, you can, you can do a lot of different things. But, and then some people, they just make it. And some people are living from hand to mouth, as they say. Some people can't make it. A lot of people in foreign countries, they just can't make it. And in this nation, too. They just can't make it without help. But those same people, and I count myself in it, we will get mad if people start talking about finances. We don't get sad because we don't have, they're not talking about our investments and things like that. We just get mad because what little bit I have, he's trying to get. You see? So the kingdom of God is not only, this parable is not only about salvation, but it's for the saints because he was talking to the, the, the disciples also. This parable is about the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is about the heart, and it's for the saints about the heart too. Okay? Let's look at it in... Let's go to Matthew 6. Let's go there. And you, you have to believe me when I'm, when I'm telling you this, because the whole parable you're not going to understand. Because later on it's going to get into the parable, and you're still not going to be able to bear fruit Unless you understand this part and get it right. You're not going to be able to do it. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, in, let's see where we want to go, verse 19, it talks about something that the whole thing helps us a little bit. He said, don't store up treasures for yourselves in, on the earth where moth and rust and may destroy it and break it and thieves they break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust destroys nor thieves break in and steal. You remember this verse? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's also in Luke, um, Luke 12, 34. It says, then it goes on down, verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate the one and love the other, or he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in, in wealth or mammon or deceitfulness of riches. or You can't do it. So he's addressing idols. I told you that last week. He's addressing idols. So then he says, for this reason, take no thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He explains all that. Then let's go down to verse 33. Let's do 32 first. Let's do 32 first. He says, for the Gentiles. Now who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles, let's, let's put it in today's time. The unsaved seek these things. For your heavenly father knows you have need of eating, drinking, wearing, living. He, had, he knows you had needs of all those things. Then he tells us as Christians what to seek. Seek first the kingdom, his kingdom. What's his kingdom? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. All right? The gospel, right? Knowing him, eternal life. Seek those things, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, do we trust God or do we not trust God? If he says all these things will be added to us, we shouldn't have to be concerned about these things. We should be concerned about only how do we now get our treasures from the earth, God, to heaven. And he said, give to the poor. That's why he told, that's why he told the rich young ruler to go sell all he has, sell all he has to give to the poor. That's why we brought the uh, later in from... Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center, and we said, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, if they either fit the bottles, if the congregation won't take them, the elders will, will do it. You remember I said that? You think I forgot. I didn't forget. 
You know, <laughs> we did. And so when I, when I finished greeting the people and I went to get, get one, they were all gone. All 50. Okay, all 50. And that's okay. That was great. And she was excited. I mean, and that's a great excitement. But we still got 21 out. And we say, hey, bring the empty bottles back. Come on. Because they cost, <laughs> they cost $3 or something each bottle. Come on, bring the bottles back. Uh, so, <laughs> so what we're trying to say is that, that we gave you an opportunity to give to the poor. Because there's no poor person in this world than somebody that's in the womb, can't help themselves, just they're waiting, they're nine months over, you know, give or take a month or so, uh, to come into this world to be a dynamite for Jesus Christ. And they're aborted. Millions of them, right? A lot of, lot of So therefore, therefore, we say, we give you an opportunity to give. Right? We give. We give to, to um, so many, we, we give to ministries, we, we have a list of people we give to, to uh, feed the children, we give to people off the, we're sending people, we sent uh, Andrea, and she's back now from Baja, we, we're sending a group to, to the Florida ministry there, because in the Florida ministry, you have all these people who are going on cruise ships, they are enjoying themselves, spending all this money, going on excursions, all these things, but we got people behind the scenes that's, they're serving them, serving them, serving them from foreign countries. Most of them are foreign. And then when they dock and everybody go on their excursions, the van from Seafarers come by and say, hey, we got a place you can go uh, internet home and Skype home and all those type of things. We'll feed you and all those things. They jump in the van and come over there. Well, what they're doing is offering something in the natural, but they want to feed them spiritually. So that's why Lisa, uh, on the way back, when we took them back, 16 were led to the Lord. Within five minutes. Lisa, I led one by myself to the Lord because he's the only one in the van. I mean, that's great. We're leading people to the Lord. So that's why we're doing that because he says that give to the poor. If you don't give to the poor, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We're not doing what kingdom business is doing. That's the only reason I went from the heart to finances. Only because I was explaining the heart, where your heart is. That's the only reason. I wasn't trying to say, well, I know what he needs. He needs money, so he's going to try to use this opportunity to jump over there for finances. I, <laughs> you, you think somebody's going to extract money out of you? <laughs> you can't do it. Matter of fact, it'll be against the word of God. Because he says you're supposed to give cheerfully. He's supposed to not out of compulsion. So why would I try to, you know... Compare you to give when that's against the word of God. Only thing I'm supposed to do is teach and excite you about the word of God, believing in God, because he gave every single thing that he had up to come here to die for us. That's what he did. And you're hurting yourself if you don't believe that, because his heart is pure, right? And he said, this is how you have a pure heart. Don't get entangled in the world system, because the world system is geared to try to get you entangled. And you are sojourners. You are aliens in this world. And you're like Abraham. Your home, your country is somewhere else. That's what it's supposed to be. That's the only reason why I did that. Because of the heart. And if you get down there in the later part of that parable. It, that person, they got past the wayside. They understood. And I'm going to get to the stony ground next time. The stony ground, they received the word with joy. Woo! Yeah, I like that. This is good, man. This is, oh, man, I like that. It's great. But as soon as persecution, as soon as the sun came up, as soon as something happened, what happened? It withered the word. It didn't bear fruit. Another part, the part for the parable, they, they, they understood. Oh, they, they, their soil was deep. Oh, they, didn't, they had deep roots. But the cares of the world. Come on. What is that, what's that word? Deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things, came in, choked the word. It did not bear any fruit. Do you see what I'm saying? So, as we go along in this parable... 
if you don't handle this, if you get mad when somebody talk about finances, they're not really talking about finances, they're talking about the heart, really. If you get mad and turn them off, what you have done is say, uh-uh, I'm close to that. You have determined that you have now become hard ground in that area. It, it doesn't have to be finances, because some of you, man, you, you, man, you get a shirt off your back. But if you say, oh, let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about speaking in tongues. Let's talk about miracles. Man, somebody said, what? I'm not, I'm, I don't believe in that. That passed away. I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to that. You know what? You become hard ground in that area. In that area. And it can't bear fruit. In other areas, you're great. In finances, you're great. You give your shirt off of your back. But when it comes to, don't you know that manifestation of the Holy Spirit is kingdom? It's kingdom. So how are you going to operate in the kingdom? How are you going to help the lost if this woman is demonized and bent over and you can't even straighten up? Because you don't believe in devils. You don't believe in evil spirits, unclean spirits. How are you going to do it? You can't do it. You can't help anybody. You understand what I'm saying? You can't be closed on top of it. Some people are, are great on that area. And when it comes to forgiveness... When it comes to love, he said, I want you to, how often do I have to forgive people? Uh, seven times. <laughs> he said, man, come on, get your heart right. Seventy times seventy. How many is that? Let me get my calculator. You don't have calculators back then. Okay? <laughs> you just keep forgiving and keep forgiving. How often did he forgive us? Every time we ask. But some people close because you did something that they don't like. And they're going to hold it. Oh, come on. That's kingdom. Forgiveness is kingdom. Love is kingdom. How how can you say in the body of Christ, we love Jesus, we love one another. But just don't put me in the same room with a whole lot of Mexicans. Come on. Come on. Now, Jess, I know you. I know you got Mexican background. You know, <laughs> you know got too many blacks at Cornerstone. Matter of fact, the one teaching, he's, he's black too. Man, my goodness gracious. I'm not going to be on no black. Yeah. Come on. How are we going to say we love? But that's an area that we'll become what? Hard ground. We're good in every other area, but that we become hard ground. Uh, this parable, I'm telling you, this parable will set you free. It'll set you free, okay? Now, uh, we're going to have a treat for you. I'm, I'm, I'm through. Uh, I'm through. I get excited. I mean, we, this parable, I mean, I can go through all of them. I, I can go through that parable. Uh, but uh, we, wanted, we had a treat for you, too. Um, Jesse and Beth, wanted, they're, they're coming up on their 25th anniversary on Tuesday. And they wanted to renew their vows. And um, that, was a, that was a really uh, nice for him to want to do that. And that's great. And he wanted to do it in front of you because you're his family. You're the family. Uh, he came here. And he came here because he knew that this place was a place that believed in uh, the total gifts of the Spirit. And he experienced some things. And then, um, so he said, I don't want to be in a church that they don't believe in it, so I want to be here. And he found some friends that he, he liked uh, in Amherst that, that they, are, they are just ace, coon, boom, buddies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> See, I'll tell you what ace, coon, boom means. Right I say. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, we want to now play a little uh, song for them to enter. And we want to be a part of that close.
Jesse, would you explain to the congregation why I was talking about it while you're out there, and by the way, just so you won't get mad and, and uh, wrestle me after it's finished. Tell the congregation why you uh, want to renew your, your vows. Well, we feel strongly that uh, there's inherent power and meaning in ceremony and in the symbols, just as we witnessed with baptism. Uh, there has to. There's something said about about landmarks. Uh, scripture says to remove not the ancient landmarks, and I think it's probably because we're so short-sighted and we forget so easy. Uh, we're equated to sheep, and so we wanted to, um, after 25 years of marriage, to renew our vows as a symbol, and also as a um, a form of commitment, uh, a declaration to you, and also to as our church body to hold us accountable. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, would you all turn and go, go out a little bit further that way, hold right there, and then turn a little bit towards me, okay? Yeah, that is it. But don't, don't lose the congregation because they want to get you on video. Okay? Yeah. 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 Before you read your rededication to your wife and you read yours to him, I just want to tell you what it says in the scripture. It says, the husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. And he gave himself up for that church, so that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word of God. That's what God is calling you to do, Jesse, and all of us as married to do, to wash our wives with the water of the word. It says that you may, so that you may present to Jesus Christ Beth, which he is speaking of the church, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives even as they love their own bodies. No one ever hated their own body but nourish it and cherish it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. It says, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined, or the King James may say, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He says, this is a great mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Okay? And that's a, a great passage of scripture that it's a, your charge it's a charge to you as a husband to go before God. I know that I can't do it, and I know that you can't do it. Only through the whole power of the Holy Spirit can you do that. So you have to stay on your knees asking God for the grace to be able to love Beth like he loves her. Because both of you are also his church, and he loves you. Now, Beth... For you, God says that you are to be subject to your own husband as unto the Lord. Isn't that great? As unto the Lord. So you don't have to look at him and say, well, uh, I'm supposed to be subject to you and you, know, you didn't cut the grass today. <laughs> it says, as unto the Lord. So, you're not supposed to look at, at Jesse and see how he measures up. You're supposed to look unto the Lord and say, Lord, you are worth me following my husband because it's a testimony to the world. It's a testimony to my daughters. It's a testimony to little Jesse, the white wife. He's looking for someone who will follow the Lord. And since I follow the Lord... I follow my husband. Ooh, that's powerful. It's a powerful testimony. That's what God meant it as. He meant that as that. Then it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. 
But the church is, but just as the church is subject to Christ, so the wives ought to be subject to their own husband in every respect. So that's your charge, Beth. And it's a great charge. It's a powerful charge. And I know that you can't do it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to be on your knees saying, God, give me the grace to follow Jesse as I follow you. Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? I think you have something that you would like to read to your wife. About 25 years ago, <clears throat> I pledged my love and commitment to you. It seemed like yesterday when we were walking down the aisle, um, pledging our love to each other, your love to me unconditionally, through good times and through bad times. You have taught me that those times, that those good times and bad times are not the alpha or the omega of our existence, but are rather just mere conditions that can be faced, dealt with, and learned from. You've shown me the meaning of true love and forgiveness when I was less of a man than I promised to be towards you by loving me through thick and thin. You are God's gift to me, and I'm a better man now because of you in my life. Wow. That's powerful. Jesse. <laughs> you are my prize. And I have loved you from the very first time I saw you. I had to make a lot of effort to try to get your attention because you had quite a following. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was my heart that, that was won by you. And six months later, after six months after our first date, we were married. And um, looking back, I think that we probably should have spent a little bit more time getting to know each other a little better. <laughs> but, I'm sorry. But God had a different plan. And... We committed our lives to him, past, present, and future. Who would have ever thought that marriage could be such a crucible of one's heart? (sighs) Glamour and romance was not the title of the last 25 years. Refinement by fire would be a better description. It is through these trials, however, that we have lost ourselves and found each other. (laughs) More importantly, we have found God more faithful. The past 25 years has given us four precious children. (laughs) Many laughs and some tears. On this day, I wish to pledge my love to you once again before those present. You are still my prize. And I look forward to entering this next 25 years more united, more grounded, more in love, and more committed to being an example of what God created this union to be. Hopefully more than 25 years, by the way, next 25 years. (laughs) Beth, your very name, Elizabeth, means oath of God. A solemn affirmation or declaration made with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed. Nothing happens in the kingdom without first there being a declaration. Thank you for living up to your name. 
Bible says that a good name is to be more desired than riches. An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. We stand before each other in the presence of our church family and renew our vows to love each other with all our heart in times of want and in times of plenty, for better and for worse, for the rest of our lives. Not by might, not by power, but by spirit, says the Lord. This was the foundation upon which you and I committed our lives many years ago together. And it's still upon this truth that our love and commitment stands. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain them that build it. In a culture where 50% of marriages are, end up in divorce and the church reflects that same percentage, um, Beth and I want to declare that by the grace of God, there goes I. So we covet your prayers and give you permission to hold us accountable to each other in the upholding of this vow. Thank you. You may now kiss your bride again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes, yes. God is good. God is good. God is good. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.